Amen. That'll make you want to preach. (laughs) The Scripture tells us that we can overcome the accuser through the blood of the Lamb and through the testimony of the saints. And that's what we've done this morning is we have celebrated the testimony of the saints who have gone to Guatemala several years ago and have come back to tell and to continue to tell their story. And in telling our stories and in telling how God has been faithful and how God has moved in mighty ways to create opportunities, to change lives, we are defeating the accuser, the enemy. And oh, that we would remember that. And oh, that we would continue to to find newer and better ways and consistent ways to tell our stories. So this morning, I thought it would be appropriate for us to look at the last psalm, Psalm 150. You know, the, the book of Psalms is, is, is the Psalter. It's the, it's the song book of, of the Hebrew faith. And it's the last psalm in this incredible book of songs, of, of poetry, of words that, that would have been set to music and shared by a people. And it's the last psalm. I thought of last words. You hope that when we get to that point in life and and you could actually uh, stop to think and reflect on what would be your last words of life? What is it that you'd want to be remembered for? What would be those last words? Let me share some last words from history. And as I always note, those that uh, uh, my sources, uh, the Google is a great source for this kind of information. So, uh, but anyway, the last words of Groucho Marx. Die, my dear? Why, that's the last thing I'll do. Charlie Chaplin, after his priest offered last rites, saying, May the Lord have mercy on your soul, responded, Well, why not? After all, it belongs to him. Edgar Allan Poe, dark character out of American literature, last words, Lord, help my soul. Mozart, great musician, The taste of death is upon my lips. I feel something that is not of this world. Harriet Tubman, reflecting on the great spiritual of her time and telling the story of slavery, the last words on her lips, swing low, sweet chariot. And we know the rest of those words coming for to carry me home. And even Jesus on the cross reflected on music as the last words that He would share. One of the very first things He said from the cross from Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have You forsaken me? And just a few verses later in that song, that song says, To you they cried out, and they were delivered. And in his last words on the cross, Jesus reflected on Psalm 31:5, a psalm that begins this way in verse 1: In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. And in verse 5, the last words that we have from Scripture that he said: Into your hands I commit my spirit. 
How often do these last words that we might reflect in, in those powerful moments of life and of consciousness, the, the songs and the music of our lives that bring meaning to us. And so I can't help but think that Psalm 150, Psalm 150 is, is specifically and purposely put at the end of the Psalter as a great summation, as a final exhortation of the meaning of the entire book of Psalms. A concluding psalm that declares and summarizes the two great truths of the entire Psalter. Number one, that God is worthy of worship. And number two, that we are created to worship God. The word praise is used 13 times in those six verses. Even back then, they used repetition in music and choruses. The word praise is an imperative. You praise. You are to praise the Lord. And I know we've read this beautiful psalm once, but if you'd allow me once again to, to read this psalm of six verses, understanding that it is, it is the climactic final exhortation from the Psalter. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Orchestra, praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Well, that's another sermon we'll get to some other time. But uh, anyway, uh, I did want to acknowledge it's there. Um, praise Him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Wow, what a beautiful passage. And, and it's written in such a way that we can analyze it in a good old literary way that, that we used to do back in, in grade school and high school probably. It answers the question of worship the who, the what, the when, the where, and the how of worship. But first, let's begin with this idea of what is worship. And we could spend a semester talking about what worship is and, and, and experiencing it in so many different ways. But let me offer just three, three thoughts of what worship is to, to try to summarize and to give us a, a, a foundation for our conversation today. First of all, worship is surrender. In worship, we bow and submit ourselves to God. Worship is an act of faith and of humility. Worship is the declaration and the proclamation that there is a God and I am not that God. Worship is surrender of our lives to a holy God. Therefore, worship is an encounter with God. It's an encounter with God for the purpose of, of seeing and responding to His glory, to His love, to His holiness, to His fullness. To His fullness as God would, would grant us as He has revealed Himself to us through a people, through Scripture, through creation, through His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, in worship, we hope to encounter a God who reveals Himself to us in spirit and in truth. 
And that encounter takes place through prayer, through testimony, through confession, through music, and through the Word. Lastly, worship manifests itself wholly through us. In our lives, as we raise up to praise and to make joyful noises and to shout His greatness and to consecrate our lives and our actions to Him, our act and our gift, our worship, is something that must come from the whole person. Worship is to be an act that integrates our whole life and our whole self to God. Worship is an effort to bring everything that we are to Him. We must understand that worship is not just a, a ritual. It's not just an act that we, we come and we perform and offer for an hour or two a week. But rather, worship is the effort to integrate our praise and our thanksgiving with our work and our lives. For you see, worship is an inseparable part of who we are. We are called to worship God. The psalmist continues on in verse 1 with, where do we worship? We worship in His sanctuary. We worship in His mighty heavens. Some of your translations will say, we worship in the firmament. Again, a reference to, to the mighty heavens before us. The meaning of Psalm 150 verse 1 is that we are to worship God everywhere. We are to worship God on the earth and in the heavens. We are to worship God in all of creation. But let's pause for a minute and look at this, this particular phrase. We are to worship God in His sanctuary. Remember back in the day, where was, where was the Lord? Where was the presence of God? The presence of God was in the temple. It was in the sanctuary. It was in the Holy of Holies. And, and in order to worship God, you had to go to that place. And only the priests were allowed to enter in and to offer those ultimate sacrifices. But we went to a place in Jerusalem, a temple to worship God because that's where the presence of God was. But then through the story, the coming of the Son, the coming of the Son of God to live and to walk among us, and on the cross during His death, the Scripture tells us that in that moment, the veil of the temple, the veil of the Holy of Holies tore and ripped from top to bottom. We know that in just a few years, the temple would soon be destroyed by the Roman armies. We know, because of the work of Christ on the cross, that Paul declares in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, that you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the place where the Spirit of God resides as He comes to live to manifest Himself through us, to redeem and to cleanse and to forgive us. So now, doesn't that open up a new understanding of what does it mean to worship and where are we to worship? We're to worship in His sanctuary. We're to worship in His temple. But His temple is within us as His Spirit lives and resides in us. Again, reminding us that where are we to worship? We're to worship everywhere that we go. We're to worship, certainly in, in places like this that have been set apart for God's people to gather and to worship, but also to know that this is not the end, defining end of what a, a sanctuary is, but know that 
The Spirit of God lives within us and calls us to worship. We were created to worship. The Spirit of God indwells us so that we might worship Him. A powerful story that this earthen vessel, this body made from the dust of the ground, is a place, a temple of God, where His Spirit resides in our heart, our mind, in our body, to be offered as a gift and act of worship. We're to worship wherever we are in all that we do. But why are we to worship? Why is it that that, the psalmist wants us to worship? And he continues in verse 2, and he says, we are to worship God because of His mighty deeds and because of His excellent greatness. His mighty deeds, His acts, because God is alive and active and, and moving within us. We're to praise God and to worship God for His deeds of creation, redemption, salvation, for resurrection. And as we look at the mighty deeds of God, as we, we've told testimony even today of the mighty deeds of God through a, a, a team that went to Guatemala, we come to that place in our worship of thanksgiving. And because we know that God is a God of mighty acts and deeds, worship becomes a a time and a place for us to bring our prayers and our petitions and our requests before God. Because we know that this holy God hears and listens and acts in mighty ways. Why are we to worship God? Because of His mighty deeds. What mighty deeds has God done in your life? What is God doing in your life even today? What is that point of praise and of thanksgiving and worship because of the work of the Spirit of God in your life and in your family? But we're not just to praise God because of His mighty deeds. We're to also worship God simply because of His excellent greatness. We are to worship God because He is God. Because of His character and His nature. Because God is Creator. Because God is beauty. God is Redeemer. Because He is Savior. Because He is Healer and Sustainer and Provider and Counselor and Comforter. We worship God because God is mighty. Because God is strong. God is perfection and joy and love. And just, we worship God because He is God. We worship God everywhere because He is excellent and mighty. Even in the heavens, we will worship God. Revelation 4 says the angels in heaven, in the vision that John received, the angels from heaven are are worshiping God, singing and praising Him. Worthy are you our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for You created all things. And because of Your will, they existed and were created. Even the angels of heaven are worshiping God because of His greatness and His mighty deeds. I love this beautiful anthem that we just heard. The focal anthem of of the Guatemala mission team Translated into Spanish, you can imagine how powerful the music 
And the text may have been, no other name but the name of Jesus. No other name but the name of the Lord. No other name but the name of Jesus is worthy of glory and worthy of honor and worthy of praise and of power. No other name is exalted far above the earth. His name is high above the heavens. His name is exalted far above the earth. Give glory and honor and praise unto His name. Choir, orchestra, what a powerful worship song and expression you led us in today. Why? Because of His greatness, His excellent greatness. Because He is God. Because of His mighty deeds. Why do we worship God? Because He is excellent. Because He acts in a just and great way, in good way in our lives. I think of that children's prayer. I, I don't know, do parents, do you still teach your children this prayer? God is good. God is great. What a powerful way to, to introduce our children to prayer. We pray to God because He's good. His deeds demonstrate that. And we pray to God because He's great, because of His excellent greatness. What a great way to teach and to instruct our children of how to pray. But it's not just an elementary prayer. It's a prayer of eternity that we'll offer before the Lord. So how do we worship this good and great God? with trumpet, with stringed instrument, with cymbal, the, the psalmist goes on to say, God is to be praised with a great symphony of sound. I love that phrase. It's not, it's not original to me, but I love it. It says God is to be praised with a great symphony of sound. And that's why the psalmist has, has shared with us all these instruments, the orchestra that comes to offer praise. And why music? Why through music is, is this last psalm focused and, and highlights the instrument so much? James Mays writes, Psalm 150 is a witness to the power of music. It's amazing power for evoking beauty and feeling and for carrying vision beyond the range of words into the realm of imagination that we sing the praise of God is no accidental custom. See, music is a part of that gift and the invitation that God gives us to worship Him. Music stimulates our imagination Godward. It offers expression when words need interpretation and even when words cannot be found. You see, music is a touch point to the mysteries of the spiritual, emotional, and relational. Music stirs and integrates our hearts our minds and our bodies. And music transcends barriers. It transcends barriers across the generations, across the cultures, across languages. It's why a group of musicians from Norman, Oklahoma can travel to Guatemala and powerfully present the message of Christ, a message which also transcends all barriers, all cultures, and all generations. And now as we come to the conclusion of this psalm, notice the significant transition and progression as we move from verse 5 to verse 6 as the psalmist concludes this beautiful psalm. For you see, the praise of the full orchestra 
is incomplete without the voice of every creature. So what is the final exhortation of the Psalms? The final verse of 150 Psalms? The longest section in our Scripture? What is the final word of exhortation and instruction for us? Let everything, let everything, let everyone who has breath praise the Lord. See, the Scripture tells us that in the beginning... God formed man from the dust of the earth, and then God breathed the breath of life into him. This is the same word that the psalmist uses when he declares that everything that has breath must praise the Lord. You see, the breath of life breathed into us by the Spirit of God is the same breath that is to be returned to God as the breath of praise. Just as breath flows through the trumpet to offer its praise, so must our breath flow through our voices, our vocal cords. And so must the breath of God flow through our lives and our work and our activity to offer praise. Praise in our words, in our worship. Praise through our work and through our lives. So much so that one person wrote, to praise God is to live. To live is to praise God. Wow. To praise God is to live. And to live is to praise God. Look around you. Look around your life. Look at, around the, at those you work with and the, 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 those you live around in your neighborhoods. Look around you and see how many people are seeking and searching for life, for meaningful life. And yet this morning, we have been reminded that everything meaningful and everything important in life proceeds from the breath of God. Let us return this breath through our praise through our worship, and through our lives. The last song we sang together as, as a congregation just a few minutes ago, it's your breath in our lungs. It's your breath in our lungs. God, you have breathed your breath into us. So, therefore, we pour out our praise to you alone, to you only, the breath you've put in us is reserved for you as we offer our breath, our praise, our lives to you. So let everyone, everywhere, and everything praise the Lord. May this be our prayer and may this be the commitment that we make in our lives regardless of the situations and circumstances that we find ourselves in. Let's pray. God, we thank You so much for this powerful morning of, of testimony, of, of Scripture, of music. We thank You for this reminder as the, the book of Psalms comes to an end. 
that we can look at this Psalm 150 and be reminded that we are created to worship and you are a God worthy of worship. And now let everything within us, let every breath within us be a part of our commitment and consecration to you to worship you through our words, through our lives. Because you are worthy of worship because of your excellent greatness and your mighty deeds. Lord, stir our hearts. Maybe this morning you have, have been moved to the point of, of wor in worship where you've realized that your life is not fully and wholly consecrated to the Lord. And maybe today you would say, the reason I'm, I'm struggling with life is because I haven't realized my breath is His breath. And my life is His life. And, and today, I begin that journey of, of consecrating all that I am to the Lord, to God, to live for Him, to worship Him alone. If that's your prayer today, if, if that's the conversation you would love to begin, I would invite you to come forward and, and to let us begin that conversation and to let us begin to pray with you and encourage you and walk with you. And for some, today is the day we return to the Lord. We return because we remember those days we used to go and we used to worship and we used to lead the life that you called us to. But we've drifted away. And today's the day we return to you, God, to consecrate our lives anew. As we sing, you be faithful and you respond obediently and you worship the Lord with all that you are. Let's stay.